Hey there, this is the Trista, and tonight we're going to watch the ABC News Joe Biden Town Hall in Philadelphia, moderated by George Stephanopoulos. It's got five mil, five and a half million hits, views, 5.58 million, and uh, let's let's get started, man. Uh, this is good for me so I can get other things done as well as uh, make commentary and you know like do comics or do some organization of my office so here we go hope you got some popcorn newly released video of a medical scare in a high school cafeteria deputy Pedro Colon performing CPR for several minutes after a student suffered a seizure and collapsed the teen recovering and alert sat up huh? until paramedics took him to the hospital what? that student then returned to the school showing gratitude to the Where's deputy the... in person dueling town halls what would have been the second debate tonight will be separate events on separate networks happening at the same time That's President Trump thing, and Vice uh... President Biden less than an hour away from facing off but not directly against each other after president biden's probably better off not facing this arsehole in person you know obviously trump wanted to infect joe biden he was wasn't even coming clean with whether or not he'd passed the test for a coronavirus he was probably still positive and um so it's a good thing, uh, good thing uh, Joe Biden didn't uh, duel him in person. And the reason why Trump wanted to duel Joe Biden in person, another reason uh, other than wanting to infect him, is that so he couldn't, he couldn't uh, interrupt him 169 times like he did in the first debate. Trump withdrew. Senator Kamala Harris halting travel after two of her campaign staffers tested positive for coronavirus. And the sunny comment from Republican Senator Lindsey Graham today about the presidential election. Thank you. Call, uh, yeah, I think, I think it's true. The third true. surge has arrived, according to the COVID tracking project, as 14 states are now seeing an increase in the number of daily deaths. Hospitalizations are yeah, Mr. Astump is still not wearing a mask. States. And why Dr. Anthony Fauci had this to say today. So I think that we just got to look that square in the eye and say it's nonsense. The crackdown in Europe in the as the COVID. The only thing nonsense around here is uh, our Astump president who. Uh, Purposely wants 2.2 million of us to get infected and die. Cases there surge. Curfews going into effect in several major cities, including Paris. All indoor gatherings in London banned. And we take you to the European country with the highest rate of infections in Europe, as many there admit they declared victory over the virus too soon. Fallout over the lack of a stimulus. Our Rebecca Jarvis speaks with a leading economist about the devastation that could be on the way if Congress fails to make a deal. Seeking justice, the new details in the death of Ronald Green. Police originally said he died in a car accident, but newly obtained audio from the body camera suggests a much different story. Yeah, of course, another freaking police brutality death. And, um, you know, we I, I've been calling for a probe and investigation and, and to shut down offending sheriff's departments and, and police departments that are just allowing these these uh, murderers to go unpunished and to just continue um, 
carrying out terrorism. They're acts of terrorism and violence against our community. Green's family joins us tonight. And while President Trump responds to the threat of climate change by saying we have the cleanest air and water, tonight, a reality check. How rising sea levels can affect our water quality. Those septics are just spewing wastewater into our groundwater. Whatever goes into our groundwater goes into our bay. And that's pretty disgusting. Good evening, everyone. I'm Lindsay Davis. Thanks so much for streaming with us. By and large, 2020 has not played out like many thought it would. And the same is also true of the second presidential debate. Consider it social distancing on steroids. While both candidates are making their case on the national stage tonight, those stages are in different venues, in different states, on different networks. This is the trickle-down effect of the president getting coronavirus. He's since recovered, but he withdrew from the head-to-head -head debate when he learned that the town hall would be virtual because of his initial diagnosis. Joe Biden then made his own plans, and here we are. Can you believe the outrageous, uh, the balls on that guy, uh, you know, theoretically, to uh, be still be testing positive for coronavirus, but he wants to, he's demanding to do this in-person debate. You know, the, this guy's a freaking lunatic. The former vice president will speak to voters in an ABC News town hall that begins right after the show. Here's a live look at the stage there tonight in Philadelphia. The president's competing event was finalized just yesterday, and all of this comes as Senator Kamala Harris is halting travel after she had contact with two people who tested positive for COVID, one of them a close aide. And across the country, the coronavirus is showing no signs of slowing down. We're now approaching 8 million cases, and we are just 19 days away from the election. We begin with Mayor Bruce on the dueling town halls. G'day, Bruce. With COVID cases on the rise around the country, President Trump today touching down in North Carolina, which just reported its highest single day increase since March. But the president argues everything is getting back to normal. I mean, the people want to get back. The kids want to be back in school. My baron, my tall baron, he's very tall. My beautiful baron. You're an idiot. And Sevilla's handsome. But my beautiful Baron had it. He recovered like so fast. Today, few masks in the president's crowd. On GMA, Dr. Anthony Fauci said that's a big problem. Yeah, it is. It's it's called criminal negligence and willful neglect of your presidential duties. He's an example, and these people uh, they're they're uh, following the example of our president, and they're not wearing masks during a pandemic. It's or a plague, as as Mr. Assface Nazi did, called it to Woodward. Bob Woodward in February, but he was telling us that it was a Democrat hoax. When you have a high community spread, particularly when people are not wearing masks, is not a good thing. That's a high-risk endeavor. Yeah. The president is increasingly attacking Fauci, the nation's top expert on infectious diseases. He said, this is not a threat. This is not a problem. Don't worry about this. Not that one's hey, a problem. Not a problem. The craziest hey. thing. But he's exactly. a nice guy, so I keep him around. Right? We'll so keep I keep him, him around. around. Joe Biden Fucking is eager asshole. to highlight his campaign's Fuck different yourself. approach to the pandemic. Nazi. Today, aides announcing his running mate, Kamala Harris, is off the campaign trail through this weekend after two people on her team tested positive. Harris had not been in close contact with either of them. Biden himself off the trail today, but Trump is ramping up his rallies, spending time in red states he won in 2016. Hello, Des Moines. Oh, it's been a good time. Trump's been pleading with a key voting bloc, women, to support him. <laughs> Suburban women, will you please Suburban like me? Suburban women, do you please like me? 
I saved your damn neighborhood, okay? Today That's he said he's giving female voters what they want. You know what women want? Well, from the black More than people, anything right? else, they want safety, security. Saved it from the black people. Oh, shit. What happened, man? This was our daily walk. Harris had not been in close contact with either of them. Biden himself off the trail today, but Trump is ramping up his rallies, spending time in red states he won in 2016. Hello, Des Moines. It's been Hello, a good time. Trump's been pleading with a key voting bloc, women, to support him. Suburban women, would Suburban you please like women, me? Suburban women, would you please like me? Please. I'm a pervert. There are over 26 women who have accused him of sexually assaulting them and, and rape in, in some cases, including seven girls. Check out the 2016 uh, lawsuit against him and Jeffrey Epstein. I saved your damn neighborhood, okay? Today he says he's given female voters what they want. You know what women want? Pussy More grabbing. than anything else, they want safety, security, and they want to be able to have their houses and leave me alone. Right? The suburban woman. But four years later, he's still taking shots at his former rival, the first woman nominated by a major party. And they talked about and the glass ceiling that the woman... She won by three million votes, by the way. Break in the glass ceiling. When he's calling to lock her up all the time. So why didn't he lock her up? Go ahead, try. See what happens, asshole. I think uh, all of them should be locked up, including Hillary. And, um, you know, I'm not sure if there's anything that will stick against Biden. Healing. And it didn't work out that way. The glass ceiling broke her. But there will be a woman that breaks the glass ceiling. It just won't be Hillary. Yeah! She was a corrupt. President Trump still thinking about his 2016 opponent. Mary Bruce joins us now from Philadelphia. Of day, course, Bruce. this was not the head-to-head -head town hall that many were anticipating tonight. But what are you hearing from the Biden campaign as far as what he's hoping to accomplish tonight? Well, Lindsay, in many ways, Joe Biden's goal for these next 19 days is simply to do no harm. He likes the fact that President Trump is soaking up a lot of the oxygen. They think that's good for the Biden campaign. But despite the that fact mean? that Joe Biden is up in national polls, his team isn't taking anything for granted. In fact, his campaign manager summing it up in a tweet, writing, there is still a long way to go in this campaign. And we think this race is far closer than folks on Twitter think. Yeah. And also, Joe Biden is extremely weak candidates, corrupt as hell, and um, just barely doing better than Hillary, than a freaking Nazi. I mean, he should be like 40 points ahead of this guy. Bernie would be. Bernie would probably be like 20, 30 points ahead. Uh, Bernie and Elizabeth Warren? Holy shit, that would have been a landslide adding like a lot closer lindsay and we even heard some interesting comments from senate republicans today seeming to acknowledge that the president could lose including the president's close ally lindsey graham 
Yeah, Lindsay, this was a very rare admission from Lindsey Graham, one of the president's, arguably his closest ally on Capitol Hill. Lindsey Graham today saying, quote, the Democrats have a good chance of winning the White House, even doubling down later and saying, I think it's true. And today there were also some other really surprising, stunning comments from another Senate Republican, Senator Ben Sass of Nebraska. He was caught on a call with supporters, basically just ripping into the president, saying that he has flirted with white supremacists, that he's treated the presidency like a business opportunity, also yeah. criticizing the president's handling of the right. coronavirus. It went Thank on you. and on Frickin and on. A. Finally, uh, some rare blunt Finally, a re Republicans are starting to uh, open up and uh, fortunately it looks like some pressure has been has been uh, working well. I mean, his 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 polls are tanking, and uh, all the, Joe Biden's only like six or seven or eight points ahead, and you know that's nothing. That's absolutely nothing. Comments from Republicans on the Hill today. Mary Bruce Forrest in Philadelphia. Thanks so much, Mary. And another reminder, the special edition of 2020 ABC News Town Hall with Biden begins right after this newscast. George Stephanopoulos with questions from voters tonight at 8, right here on ABC News Live. One of the big issues that we can expect to be discussed tonight is, of course, the pandemic, especially with this country now seeing a surge in cases across 38 states. A third person in the U.S. now Blake. confirmed to have been reinfected with the virus as we approach 60,000 cases daily nationwide. Mr. Assface Nazi Dump said it was a plague, so call it a plague. And wide in tonight, news on your blood type and the virus. ABC's Marcus Moore reports in from Oklahoma City. Researchers say a man in Seattle tonight is the third known person in the U.S. to have been infected twice with coronavirus. The nursing home resident in his 60s spent 40 days in the hospital this spring before testing negative multiple times, only to get sick with COVID again five months later. Researchers saying reinfections like this are considered rare. It comes amidst a fall surge, doctors sounding the alarm. At Integris Health in Oklahoma City, they've run out of ICU beds. It's challenging. It's uh, the same thing um, over and over again, dealing with very, very sick patients. It's tough for families, it's tough for staff, it's tough for doctors, it's tough for nurses. Yeah, especially since uh, still PPE for hospitals and the general public are, are nowhere in sight. You know, in, in um, places like Taiwan, where they have a responsible uh, pandemic response, and they never even close down their schools or their businesses they gave away masks and they ramped up production of them and and the only the only thing that ass face nazi dump ramped up production for is sausages man that's all he cares about he wants to make sure that there's meat he, that is an essential production business as far as uh, trump is concerned but uh, he doesn't give a damn about uh, making sure that the rest of us have masks you know, we want to wear because we want to follow the CDC's guidelines, not this freaking lunatic in the White House. Um, and people are people are, are, are tired. Cases now yeah, climbing in 38 states, hospitalizations rising in 36. And tonight, the CDC forecasting up to 240,000 deaths by November 7th. With colder weather, doctors are seeing more indoor spread. Wisconsin's governor urging people to stay home or wear a mask when going out. This is becoming uh, uh, 
life and death for folks in the state of Wisconsin. El Paso, Texas today, tightening restrictions after cases and hospitalizations hit an all-time high. This is an unprecedented amount of new cases which require immediate action in order to slow the spread. Funeral homes here preparing for the worst, adding walk-in refrigerators that can hold up to 20 bodies each. It's hard to see uh, people's loved ones uh, passing away um, alone and hearing that from the family. That Yeah, and this is all preventable, all 215,000. That's why, um, you know, go ahead and listen to a pre uh, another one of my podcasts about uh, we should be charging this entire maladministration with bioterrorism and treason. You know, they wish they could have been there at their last moments. In California, Ben Fontanilla is burying his wife Sally today. They worked at the same hospital. He wants people to know his wife was devoted to her patients battling COVID. I want them to know that it affects everybody, especially those who take care of them in the hospital. Tonight, new research suggesting blood type could be associated with COVID risk. Type O blood may make a person less likely to be infected and less likely to develop severe illness. Although experts say more research is needed if blood type does make a difference and why. So blood type even playing a factor here as well. Marcus Moore joins us now from Oklahoma City where he's been speaking with the medical staff there. Marcus, tell us more about some of these challenges that they're facing right now and really expected to face as we head into colder months. Well, Lindsay, I am just outside the busiest ER here in the state of Oklahoma, and so they are still treating the heart attacks and the car accident patients who come in, and what they are most concerned about going into the days ahead is the... You have a driver's license? Clean driving record? That's fantastic. Because now you can drop your auto insurance rates to as low as $19 a month. Screw you. Check out the cheapest rates in 60 seconds. Well, Lindsay, I am just outside the busiest ER here. What's going on? This is Marcus Moore with ABC News Prime. This were bought up by Prime. But that's another thing. The, uh, the media that needs to be broken up. It's a monopoly. It's uh, should be a uh, should break it up. Uh, you know, we need uh, some trust breaking. What is it called? Uh, in the state of Oklahoma, and so they are still. Ninety percent of our media outlets are owned by six corporations treating the heart attacks and the car accident patients who come in and what they are most concerned about going into the days ahead is the continued number of cases of COVID-19. They are out of ICU beds here and uh, their other concern along with the patients, the general public here, is that their, their doctors and their nurses and respiratory therapists themselves could end up uh, sick and needing treatment. And so as we look ahead to the, the days and weeks ahead and we get into flu season, they are certainly preparing for a very busy time ahead. And Marcus, as Americans plan their Thanksgiving holidays, we got another reminder today about the reality of testing and why it isn't a guarantee that will keep you and your family safe. Yeah, uh, Lindsay, uh, we heard from the, the, uh, the Admiral, who's actually the testing coordinator for the Trump administration. He did a recent interview with our Devin Dwyer, and he basically said that 
families cannot rely on testing for the holiday. They anticipate that a lot of people across this country will be going to their, their relatives' homes to celebrate Thanksgiving and that perhaps they may try to pre-screen, get a test before going. But they say there's no guarantee uh, because you could be negative one day and end up uh, developing COVID-19 symptoms the next day or even the day after that because there is an incubation period. So uh, that's what they're trying to caution people about as we enter the holiday season. Right. No guarantee. Or Marcus Moore, thanks to you. And turning overseas now, France has declared a public health emergency. The British government is issuing tougher restrictions in London and in Eastern Europe. The ICUs are filling up. But unlike here in America, for a time this summer, Europe believed that the virus was contained. As Ian Panel reports, that belief is now all in the past. A dinner party for the ages. It was the end of June. The lockdowns were lifting and the Czech Republic was hailed by the rest of Europe for successfully stopping the virus. It had been a grueling few weeks, so Andrei Kobizar wanted to celebrate his country's newfound freedom. I made idea and ask um, politicians if uh, I can do this action, uh, invite people to sit to the long table and they said, okay, in that time it was a really calm situation. 1600 foot long table on Prague's famous Charles Bridge was center stage. People gathered, happy, finally carefree. The rules was that everybody can come, uh, but uh, he has to bring something to drink or to, to, to eat and to offer to your neighbor. The country of 10 million had managed to avoid the full brunt of the first wave with fewer than 12,000 infections and 350 deaths. But it was too soon to declare victory. People left their homes. They went back to work. And then the virus struck back. Cases have steadily climbed with no sign it's easing. Now it's becoming serious. Today, the Czech Republic has more COVID infections per capita than any other country in Europe. For now, hospitals are coping, but officials are scrambling to reverse course. The Prime Minister making this stunning admission of fault. Even I got carried away by the upcoming summer and the atmosphere in society. That was a mistake I do not want to repeat. Charter fast forwards, but where does it start, man? I'm gonna look in the comments and see if somebody says when when does this town hall start? It's like three and three hours and sixteen minutes long. I know it's terrible. And by the way, there's uh, the Trump virus. Uh, it's particularly terrible. It's not the the trooper that you just heard there, Chris Hollingsworth, he died in late September after a single car accident on the very same day he was Family informed that Ronald he was being Green fired Trump. for his role in this incident. These are images from his funeral, Hollingsworth. And, um... Yeah, it looks like, uh, looks like something that's related to Mr. Astem. You know the the police are are they're, they're killing another person with what's this one's name Ronald Green, and uh, they're trying to trying to take away headlines from Joe Biden, and uh, then he'll claim he's going to say tonight that he's got uh, he's got all the 
police unions on his side, all of uh, he's gonna say something like that. How much you want to bet? Like, like that. He's gonna. Uh, that's what I would wager. He's gonna say something like that. Although he's behind these terrorist sheriffs, terrorist sheriffs. That'd be a good podcast title. Um. Still waiting for. Uh, I, I'm looking for this town hall. Um, this is. I don't really want to um, see yet another freaking police brutality and them getting away with it. Yeah, sure. It is disturbing. It's so disturbing. We don't want to hear it. Um, by the way, uh, Mr. Astemp lied in the last debate that he had Portland, Oregon sheriff's endorsement. So that sheriff, he, he tweeted out, no, no, I definitely do not endorse fuckface Nazi ass clown, something like that. Trump, whatever he called him. I heard about it on Democracy Now!, which I, I'm going to do a plug right, right now for Democracy Now!, it's the only news source that you can trust because the rest of them are, are taken up in a monopoly, a trust that needs to be broken up. 90% of them is a corporate, it's called corporate media. Corporate media, and that, like they won't publish anything. This retirement time. community in Florida, could the president be in trouble in this must win state? The red flag warnings. You know, I don't really, uh, you know, there are lots, so there are lots of old people in, in Florida, and if they're stupid enough. Here's to show. To, to vote for uh, this ass-faced Nazi dump who's, who's uh, lying about... Anello, look over the railing through the... Security. He's trying to get 20 million people, off, more people, off of uh, health care. Plus the, all the, what, it, what it, I think it's 45 million unemployed people. It's worse than the, the Great Depression. This is the Trump economy. You know, blame it on Trump. Blame everything on Trump. That's what we need to do. We just need to be ruthless and say, no, this is caused by Trump. This We're in this bullshit situation. Lockdown. Can't even go to Mexico. And Mexico is only like an hour away. I mean, what kind of fascist dictatorship, you know, and it's all on purpose. It's all on purpose. They want this. They want us to be all uh, separated and isolated and um, uh, stressed out and getting sick and dying. They want the, the open window. Anello then picks up Chloe and they appear to lean Jeez. over together before she disappears from frame. Tonight, the family's attorney. T Toddler Cruz death case. Where's the frickin' town hall, ABC? Oh my God, another ad. It's coming up. Anyway, so, uh, let's see. So yeah, there's uh, Florida, the, the old people. Um, I did hear that there were like 300 old people in golf carts that did a Biden, a kind of Biden parade, which was, uh, you know, cool. That was, I guess that was a uh, response to, I think there was what, um, a much smaller one for Trump and uh, the 
voter registration is at a it's at a historic hot I mean voter registration and, and, and voting there's like 10 times as many people who have who have already voted in this election than any other election before we finally uh, you know people are getting the picture you have to everybody has to go out and vote and vote this piece of shit out of office you know hold your nose and vote for Biden if you if you can and then if you can't vote for me and Bernie right write us in as a third party candidate just write in Bernie and me if you're if you're not not gonna vote for Biden or Trump don't just stay home, you know, do vote, vote for, vote for me and Bernie, you know, uh, write in Bernie and write me in for vice president. I would be honored. So, we got some, where the hell is this town hall, man? Okay, I think it's coming. I'm, I'm going to try to, okay, it's getting closer. I'm like, I have to go in about an hour and a half. By the way, uh, please do listen to my previous podcast about uh, we should be charging this entire maladministration with with terrorism and treason. Um, and uh, locking them up. They should have been locked up a long time ago. Really. And uh, we're going to have to do a mass. What we need to do is really drain the swamp in 2020. That's hashtag drain the swamp 2020. And uh, we need to get rid of. Well, we need to clear out From the top. The, Constitu- the detritus at the top. Center in Philadelphia. Here again, George Stephanopoulos. And welcome back to our town hall with hey, Joe George. Biden. We're getting a question now from Cedric Humphrey. He's a student from Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, progressive Democrat. Don't jump, Cedric. You look like you're way up there. I'll be okay. Thank you, George. And good evening, former Vice President Biden. Many people believe that the true swing demographic in this election will be black voters under the age of 30. Not because they'll be voting for Trump, but because they won't vote at all. I myself have had this exact same conflict. So my question for you then is, besides you ain't black, what do you have to say to young black voters who see voting for you as further participation in a system that continually fails to protect them? Well, first of all, I feel your pain, brother. And uh, that's why I'm in favor of giving all black people what we owe them. Give them 40 acres and a mule. You know, we still owe black people 40 acres and a mule as far as I'm concerned. And uh, and all of us deserve reparations for the the trauma that we've been put through by this these successively worse administrations with a a uh, concentration in the executive giving them too much power. And uh, so we see um, a a racist a terrorist in the White House who is. Uh, has been terrorizing the black community through his dog whistles to to his hate groups and militia supporters, his armed rebels that he's he's probably paying for with our taxpayer money. And 
So I, uh, that's, that's one thing. I'm in favor of reparations and giving, giving what we promised the black community, which is 40 acres and a mule and all the other things on Bernie's platform that I agree with, they, they benefit <clears throat> black people and as well as us all, we all need health care. We all need, we all need so many, uh, we all need virtually free education as an investment in our country, which is what ed education's all about, man. And that's what has made America great in the past is that our education was uh, available for the past 50 years, and now it's becoming unavailable again. So um, vote for me and Bernie. I say, first of all, as my buddy John Lewis said, it's a sacred opportunity to write to vote. You can make a difference. If young black women and men vote, you can determine the outcome of this election. Not a joke. You can do that. And the next question is, am I worthy of your vote? Can I earn your vote? And the answer is, there's two things I think that I care, and I've demonstrated I care about my whole career. One is, in addition to dealing with a criminal justice system to make it fair, and make it more decent, we have to be able to put black Americans in a position to be able to gain wealth, generate wealth. And so you look at what they, that entails. It entails everything from early education. That's why I'm supporting making sure that we entitle one schools, as you know, schools with the least tax base to be able to support their schools. I increased the funding for them from 15 to, uh, to uh, $45 billion. That allows every teacher in that school to make up to 60,000 bucks. And the problem now is they're leaving the schools. They're not there. We're short about a million and a half teachers, a million and a quarter teachers. Number two, every three and four and five-year-old will go to school, school, not daycare, school. And what all the great universities, including the one you've gone to, go to or went to, in fact, talks about in the last eight years what's happened. What happens when you let them go to school, they make up rapidly the whatever, the, whatever, um, fail, whatever, shortcoming they had in terms of their education prior to that. They have not heard as many words spoken, et cetera, et cetera. What happens is that the studies show that 58% will increase by 58% their chance of going all through uh, 12 years of school and going through successfully. We'll also provide for the ability to bring in social workers and, and school psychologists. We have one school psychologist in America now for every 1,507 kids. It should be one to 500, not just in, 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 in schools that are poor, but in all schools. Because we learned that, for example, drug abuse doesn't cause mental illness. Mental illness causes drug abuse, the failure to get hold of people and, and deal with their anxieties. In addition to that, I, I provide for $70 billion for HBCUs for them to be able to have the wherewithal to do what other universities can do because they, ha they don't have the kind of foundational support they need. And so that would allow them, for example, like we did in our administration, the president allowed me to go down and we awarded a, a, a cybersecurity laboratory ability to compete for a cybersecurity laboratory. The federal government spends billions of dollars a year on universities because they're the best 
is kept secret or where most of the major inventions come out of. And so that school now will be able to produce young black women and men who are going to go into a field of the future that's burgeoning, cybersecurity. And that's what that's what's going to help a great deal. In addition to that, if you're a young man about to graduate or you graduated from school and you want to own your first home, or you're, well, it's awful hard to get the money, in, depending on the background, or, or, or what you're at. Your, your, excuse me, your economic background is to get a down payment. So we're going to guarantee first-term home buyers a $15,000 down payment for first-term home buyers. In addition to that, what all the studies now show, and I've been arguing this for a long time, is young black entrepreneurs are just as successful as white entrepreneurs or anyone else, given a shot. But you can't get the money. Where do you go to get the startup money? So what President Obama and I did, we had a program where we took a billion five hundred million dollars and we invested it in all the SBAs around the country, in the state SBAs, small business associations, and that generated $30 billion came off the sideline because if you have a guarantee of $200,000 for your new startup enterprise, young entrepreneur, you're going to be able to attract, if it's government money as a guarantee, you'll be able to attract another $100,000. It generated $30 billion. Well, I'm changing that program, and I'll get this done without much trouble, I believe, in the Congress, from uh, from 15, uh, $1.5 billion yeah, to $30 billion. So that take $300 billion off the sideline and grow, because you know. Time. And for example, if you, in fact, uh, and I were the same age, and we split our differences, and we were the same age, and we went to the same builder to buy us each the same home. But my home was in a white neighborhood on one side of a highway, and yours is in a black neighborhood. Same exact home. What the hell are you talking Your home about? will start off being valued 29% less than my home. Yet your so insurance for that home will be higher. You'll be taxed more for it. That's We've got you to end this. That's what got me involved Fuck in politics this. in the first place. They call redlining. Fuck these old we can change so much that we can do so You're much phonies. to change the circumstances to give people them. a real opportunity. Is that but right? They, did, did you hear what you I'm sorry. I just said, did you hear what you needed here? He tried to cut Social Security and lied about it with Bernie. And, uh, uh, yeah, he was caught out in a lie. He was, he was saying, uh, he, no, I did not. I did not try to cut Social Security. There are many instances where he tried to cut Social Security. Fucking phony. Uh, I think so. Okay. Really. Well, there's a lot. My response is that uh, Joe Biden wants to give more of our community's precious resources to the police but me and bernie or well, i am in favor of defunding the police in the sense that half of our law enforcement's budget say the police um, the pima county sheriff's department is 160 million dollars i pledge that half of that 65 million dollars will be going towards health and human services including housing and um, mental health counseling and substance abuse counseling so uh, if you want to if you want to see our police demilitarized because they're over militarized right now then vote for me and bernie and also this guy this guy mr biden is the author of the crime bill the 1994 crime bill that mr astam nazi face brought rightly brought up um, once in a while, you know, he's got a pretty good strategy, Mr. Astam. But uh, actually, 
and Biden wanted to have his name on this bill. So if, uh, but he wasn't allowed to for some reason. Um, but so we can, let's call it the Biden crime bill of 1994. And what did that do? That was three strikes and you're out. That is such an inhumane uh, system, racist system that ended up putting so many people in, in jail for forever for a minor third offense, you know, like chewing gum on uh, whatever. Um, and it was totally unfairly targeted towards black people. And his cop of a vice presidential candidate, she enforced that. And she put, she did put potheads in jail. So all the, all the students, all the normal fans and all the BLM and all the unions and, um, the, uh, democratic socialists all need to vote for me and Bernie. Just go ahead and write me and Bernie. Uh, if you can't vote for this fool, then, uh, do the, and you can only vote for your conscience. Vote for me and Bernie. More if you want to, if you're going to hang around afterwards, I'll tell you more. Oh, by the way, um, I would have no cops in school. Uh, they, they can be security guards, but there also needs to be at least one counselor in every school and one nurse in every school. Right now we, we have more cops in schools than, than counselors and nurses. Okay. Let's get it. No, but I really mean it. It's the, it's the key. Look, this is the way every other, how, how do most, like my dad, he lost his job up in Scranton. And it took him three years to be able, he moved down to Delaware to Claymont, Delaware, a little steel town, and sent us home to our grandpa to live with him. We finally got back. We lived in apartments, became six and eight housing much later. It wasn't, it was just normal apartments. And, but it took him five years to be able to buy a home. Well, we bought a three-bedroom home with four kids and a grandpa living with us, but it accumulated wealth. You built up wealth. That's how middle-class folks make it. They build up wealth. Then he was able to borrow a little against that to be able yeah, to help us get the school, those kinds of things. It's the black community, black Wall Street, and 300 people were killed. That was, that was black Wall Street, man. That was, every time they, every time the black community gets ahead, they're shat upon by the by our white citizens or race the racist ones it's about accumulating wealth and it's very you're behind an eight ball the vast majority of people of color are behind an eight ball and it's the same way what's going on now with all this money that's been voted what's happened you go to the bank if you're a black businessman and i and the president fired the only inspector general to see over oversee all this help coming from the congress and what happens you go in and they say uh do you have an account here no do you have a do you have a credit card with this no have you borrowed from us before no we bail these suckers out they're not liable for any of the yeah, money we own the but banks. they still won't rent it they still they we bought them up we out of bankruptcy so we technically we the united states own all the banks that we bailed out i won't lend it to you we got to change that it's about accumulating wealth so let's, take them back. Another let's take them back and turn them into unions
Washington in here from Angelica Pontarius. No, not at all. Garnet Valley, Pennsylvania. Hi. Republican who voted for Quite President Trump last time. Thank you. Thank you, George. Thank you, Vice President Biden. Nice to meet you. Thank you, President um, Biden. What's your view on the crime bill that you wrote in 1994, which yeah. showed prejudice against minorities? Where do you stand today on that? Well, first of all, things have on changed drastically. Bill. That crime bill went and voted. The black caucus voted for it. Every black mayor supported it across the board. And it didn't. The crime bill itself did not have well, it was mandatory sentences except for two it? things. But it had uh, three strikes and you're out, which I voted against in the crime bill. But it had a lot of other things in it that Voting. turned out to be both bad and good. I wrote the Violence Against Women Act. That was part of it. The assault weapons ban and other things that were good. What I Although what I was against was giving states more money for prison systems that they could build, state prison systems. And you have 93 out of every 100 people in jail now is in a state prison, not in a federal prison, because they built more prisons. I also wrote into that bill a thing called drug courts. I don't believe anybody should be going to jail for drug use. They should be going into mandatory rehabilitation. We should be building rehab centers to have these people housed. We should wipe out, we should, we should decriminalize marijuana wipe out yep, the record so you can actually say in honesty you ever been arrested and Bernie and I are gonna do that first day in office when you all vote for us for mar for anything you can say no because we're gonna pass a law saying there is no background that you have to reveal relative to the use of marijuana and so there's a lot of things but in addition to that we got to change the system I joined with a group of people in, in the house to provide for changing the system from from punishment to rehabilitation along with a guy named Marlon Spector who you may remember I wrote the Second Chance Act in the meantime an awful lot of people were jailed for minor drug crimes after the exactly crime right. Was it a mistake to support it? Yes, it was. But here's the here's where the mistake came. The mistake came in terms of what the states did locally. What we did federally, we said it was. And you remember, George, it was all about the same time for the same crime. What I had done as chairman of the Judiciary Committee, I did took the ten circuit courts of appeals, took some really brilliant lawyers working for me in judiciary. We did a study. And we determine what happens if for the first, second, third offense for any crime in the, in the criminal justice system in, in, in the, uh, uh, at the federal level, if you're a black man, it's the first time you committed robbery, what, how long would you go to jail on average if you're a white man, how long? Black man would go to jail on average 13 years, white man two years. I go down the list of every single crime. So we set up a sentencing commission. We didn't set the time. Every single solitary maximum was reduced in there. But what happened was it became the same time for the same crime. So it said you have to serve between one and three years. It ended up becoming man much lower. Black folks went to jail a lot less than they would have before, but it was, it was a mistake. Let me ask another follow-up on the crime bill. It also funded 100,000 police yes. back in 1994. You've often said that more cops clearly mean less crime. Do you still believe that? Yes, if in fact they're involved in community well, policing or jump squads. For example, when we had community policing from the mid-90s on till, till, uh, um, till um, uh, Bush got elected, what happened? 
Violent crime actually went down precipitously. Remember the significant rise in violent crime that was occurring in the late 80s into the 90s. It went down and fewer African-Americans were arrested because you had the requirement. The cops didn't like it. They didn't like the community policing because you had to have two people in the vehicle. They had to get out of their cars. They had to introduce themselves to who owned the local uh, liquor store, who owned the local grocery store, who was the woman on the corner. And they, what they would do, George, they'd actually go and give people their phone numbers. A cop would give the phone number. So if, if Nellie Smith was on the second floor where drug deals took place and things happened uh, uh, below her, she her apartment, she could call and say, it's Millie Lord. and there's something going on here. And they'd never reveal this it was her. Because they know she knew that, in fact, they'd report, they'd never report the crime. She'd never report. So it actually fade. started to come down. What happened? They eliminated the funding yeah, for community like policing. Community policing doesn't mean more people coming in and... These people should be put out to pasture, man. Not our president. When they did, it turned out that by the time we got to the late 90s, the crime had come down so much, and the mayors and, and everybody asked the question, where do you want me to spend the money? They say, well, only 1% thought violent crime was a problem. It was as high as 22%. Right now we have a systemic problem. How do you get the kind of policing, prevent the kind of policing? You have to change the way in which they police. One of the things I'm going to do, George, is what is set up a national study group made up of cops, social workers, as well as made up of the black community and the brown community to sit down in the White House and over the next year come up with significant reforms that need to take place within communities. You have to bring them together. One of the things I've observed is, you know, the neighbor I grew up, I grew up in Claymont, you either became a cop, a firefighter, or a priest. I wasn't qualified much to do any one of them. But here's the deal, all kidding aside, most cops don't like bad cops. Correct. They don't like it. Correct. And so what happens is they get intimidated into not reporting. So one of the things we do is there has to be transparency available. We have to be able to do, go in at the federal level, be able to go in and see, check out whether or not there's systematic problems within police departments. If in I fact babbles. a cop is, uh, needs to be tried, it's not the prosecutor in the community, in, in the district or there, you gotta go outside the community to get another prosecutor to come in and handle the crime. There's a lot of things we've learned and it takes time, but we can do this. You can ban calls you can but, you, but beyond that you have to teach people how to de-escalate circumstances de-escalate so instead of anybody coming at you and the first thing you do is shoot to kill you shoot them in the leg there's ways you have to do more background checks in terms of whether or not the person coming in passes certain psychological tests and the last thing i'll say and i'm sorry because it was really i think really really Badly. important is you have to be in a position where you are able to identify identify the things that have to change and one of the things that has to change is so many cops get called into circumstances where somebody is mentally off like what happened not long ago that guy with the knife that's why we have to provide within, within police departments psychologists and social workers to go really out with that. the cops on those calls those some of those 911 calls to de-escalate the circumstance to deal with talking them down. But we can't, cops are kind of like school teachers now. You know, a school teacher has to know everything from what, how, how, how to handle hunger in, in a household as well as how to teach how to read. Well, cops are, don't have that breadth. 
And there's a lot of things we can do. We shouldn't be defunding cops. We should be mandating the things that we should be doing within police departments and make sure there's total transparency. Got to take another quick break. We'll be right back. I don't know if that's your question, but... Yeah, you didn't, you didn't answer the question. And... Yeah, it didn't answer the question. No, we don't need to uh, give the cops any more money. They have plenty of money. They take up all our resources from our communities, from our schools, from from our parks, and educations. So let's see here. Um, it's really out there. She revealed she had murdered his family. They're over-militarized as it is, and their tactics are over-militarized as well. We need to bring in the ACLU. I, I pledge to bring in the ACLU and the BLM and uh, maybe a couple of other parties, the so Department of Justice and our new attorney general and we will we will draft we will draft the protocol for our law enforcement with the ACLU's assistance so that police brutality will never ever freaking happen again we can do it just make it totally uh, accountable and put body cams on all of them and have them monitored by you know have them monitored and and they have to be on it uh, all, the entire time that they are working. Drop in and explore the action, the adventure, blah, blah, blah. and the original. Okay, where's the where's the rest? With stories of strength, stories of hope. Nope. Hulu. Okay, George Stephanopoulos. Blah, blah, blah. Hulu has live news. Hulu. 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 To all Hulu subscribers right now, John Lennon, his life, his legacy, his last days. Wow, there's life, there's hope. That's interesting, but uh, where's the freaking rest of the town hall, man? Hi, George. Hi, Mr. Vice President. Hi, Nathan. Our country's first Supreme Court gave it its first ruling. Two blocks. Two blocks. Hearing for all of 2016 and Amy Coney Barrett's being pushed through at the last minute, even though millions have already voted. So what do you think about ideas from um, people like Pete Buttigieg and others to put in place safeguards that will help ensure more long-term balance and stability? And what do you say to LGBTQ Americans and others who are very worried right now about erosions of their rights and our democracy as a whole? Well, let me start. You have reason to be very concerned about the appointment of this justice, Amy Coney Barrett. She is uh, unfit, another unfit and uh, unqualified Supreme Court Justice the thirds for this maladministration 
And of course they have the majority vote in the Senate. So they are going to ram this through. They're going to do it no matter what. I have called for those senators to walk out. Walk out so they'll lose a quorum. It, this is a, uh, a travesty of, uh, of injustice against the American people. And Amy Coney Barrett is, uh, should, not be, should not be appointed to the highest court of the land. That's our, that's, and she's going to, she is going to roll back, be part of rolling back protections against LGBTQ community as well as uh, us all basically. All women should be concerned about this. All women should vote against, uh, no women should vote for Trump. He's uh, a disgrace. Art. The last point, work my way back. I think there's re great reason to be concerned. I was on the road most of the time during these hearings, so I didn't hear many of them. I just got the recaps when I get, I, you know, be in, I get in late at night from, I've been going around the country, Florida, and anyway. And, uh, but um, my reading online, what the, uh, what the judge said was she didn't answer very many questions at all. And I don't even think she has laid out much of a judicial philosophy in terms of the basis upon which she thinks are there unenumerated rights in the Constitution and the rest. So, number one. So I think there's great reason to be concerned for the LGBT community, something I've fought very hard for for a long time to make sure there's equality across them. You notice uh, he's babbling again. And uh, I said LGBTQ community, and he just said LGBT board. Number two, so I think that also health care overall is very much in jeopardy as a consequence of the president's going to go directly after this election, directly to the Supreme Court within a month to try to get Obamacare wiped out after we've already, 10 million people have already lost their insurance from their employer and wants to take 20 million people out of the system as well, plus 100 million people with pre-existing conditions. So there's a lot at stake. I don't think it's appropriate. I think the Constitution implies. There's no provision in the Constitution. My problem is I made a mistake of teaching constitutional law for 21 years and the separation of powers. The Constitution implies that the way the people have a right to determine who's going to be on the court is how they vote for their senators and their president. We seek the advice and consent of the Senate and the, the president's president. president for all four years, isn't he? No, he is. But once an election begins, by implication, it is inconsistent with the constitutional principles, in my view. You get disagreement among scholars on this. But I believe it's inconsistent when over, well, millions of people already voted to put someone on the court. I think it should be should have been held until the next this election is over. See what the makeup of the Senate is going to be. If the president won this, wins this election, he should be able but to How about that court. question of expanding the court? Here's what you said exactly one year ago tonight. Before they go on to that, I wanted to add um, afterwards, after what he said, that this is a total disrespect to Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who uh, was a stalwart figure on the Supreme Court of the United States, and uh, this is such a disrespect for this, this uh, maladministration to be doing that. And the reason they're doing it is to pack the courts. They're packing the courts with 
more another uh, neoconservative, radical right wing, rabid right winger on our SCOTUS, and purely in an effort to uh, steal another election. They want. She worked on the uh, Gore versus Bush. Uh, and that's what they're gearing up for. They're going to just totally uh, steal another election in the Supreme Court. That's what's going to go happen. That, that's what they're gearing up for. So I have actually called, unlike these, this, these tools, I have actually called for a Senate, uh, the senators to walk out of that confirmation hearing to lose quorum. You know, it's something. And also, um, I have personally pledged that when uh, Bernie and I come into office, I, um, I personally, well, one of my, one of my uh, priorities would be to recall all these Trump judges and to overturn and to undo everything that he did while he was in office. Everything. There's nothing good that he, he has done in these past four years and it all has to be undone and we have to um, lock them all up and truly drain the swamp 2020 if we're gonna we want to see america safe again at a democratic debate he said i would not get into court packing i would not pack the court that's not what you're saying now is the nomination of judge barrett reason enough to rethink your position what is the nomination of what I wanted to do, George, you know, if I had answered the question directly, then all the focus would be on what's Biden going to do if he wins instead of on is it appropriate what is going on now? And it should stay. This is the thing that the president loves to do. Always take our eye off the ball. What's at stake? One of the things Pete has suggested is, and there's a number of constitutional scholars have suggested as well. This guy that wants, least, uh, he does, all he does is just talk about how he used, he taught a constitutional law in Florida a long time ago in Delaware. Um, who, who even knows where the hell that is? And uh, when he hasn't done anything, has he? I have been calling all along for the in immediate removal and prosecution of this entire administration. And these people, they don't have the balls to do it. We need somebody like that who's going to do it. Even even Bernie, you know, President Sanders, he, he unfortunately doesn't have the cojones to, to, um, to stand up to, uh, you know, maybe some of his supporters or, or some of his uh, donors but I don't accept money from anybody so I can be I'm a free agent and I'm going to tell the truth whether you like it or not four or five options that are available to determine whether or not you can change the way in which the court lifetime appointment takes place consistent arguably with the constitution I have not been a fan of pack, uh, court packing because I think it just generates what will happen. Every whoever wins, it just keeps moving in a way that. Yeah, well, how about how come you haven't called for uh, another in, to impeach again? How come you haven't called for this president's resignation for for killing two hundred thousand, two hundred fifteen thousand Americans needlessly, like hashtag President Jim Jones? How come Biden? How come you have you never stand up for anything? All you do is just talk about these vague things and your supposed qualifications.
that is inconsistent with what is going to be manageable. So you're still not a fan? Well, I'm not a fan. I didn't say it depends on how this turns out, not how he wins, but how it's handled. You need to be a fan of uh, impeaching again. So I would, um, you know, what I have done, and I, this is something more than what, what Biden's done or, or Trump, is to call for Nancy Pelosi to, to keep her promise. She promised that uh, they would impeach again if they ran through Ruth Bader Ginsburg's appointment to the Supreme Court. Come on, puppies. how it's handled but there's a number of things that are going to be coming up and there's going to be a lot of discussion about other alternatives Wait, as well what does that mean how it's handled how will that determine well, for, 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 for example there's actually real live debate on the floor if people are really going to be able to have a time to go through this you know i don't know anybody who's gone on the floor and just and you know, that's been a controversial justice in terms of making fundamentally altering the, the the makeup of the court that's gone through in a day kind of thing i mean it depends on how much they rush this and you think about it george here you got a lot of people not being able to pay their mortgage not being able to put food on the table not being able to keep their business open not being able to do anything to deal with what's going on in terms of the economy as a consequence of covid and they have no time to deal with that, but they have time to rush this through. Well, right now, it looks like they're going to have a vote around Halloween. So if they vote on yeah, it before the election, out. if they vote on it before the election, you are open to expanding the court? I'm open to... Cons Don't show up. ...considering what happens from that point on. You know, you said so many times during the campaign, all through the course of your career, it's important to level with It is, but George, if I, if I say, no matter what answer I gave you, if I say it, that's the headline tomorrow. It won't be about what's going on now, the improper way they're proceeding. But don't voters have a right to know where you they stand? They do have a right to know where I stand, and I'll have a right to know where I stand before they vote. So you'll come out with a clear position before Election Day? Yes, depending on how they handle this. But look, what you should do is you got to make sure you vote and vote for a senator who, in fact, thinks, reflects your general view on constitutional interpretation. And vote for a president who think is more in line with you. And if you oppose the position that I, I would not have appointed her, but if you oppose my position, vote for Trump. Vote for a Republican who shares that view. But that's your opportunity to get involved in lifetime appointments that have presidents come and go. Justices stay and stay and stay. Yeah. I'm in favor of term limits for them as well. And... Uh mandatory retirement at the age of uh, say 70 I think 70 is uh, inappropriate uh, with other people's retirement age I have a question from a Republican Andrew Lewis I guess a disaffected uh, Republican you cast a writing vote for John Kasich in 2016 you're gonna vote against President Trump this year and John's writing in for me by the way I know that <laughs> Mr. Vice President I'm sorry Mr. Vice President, my father, Drew Lewis, served as Secretary of Transportation under President Ronald Reagan in his first oh, term. Oh, yeah. I'll be darned. And some of his closest allies and friends were Democrats, including House Speaker Tip O'Neill and Senator Ted Kennedy. Sadly, today we have highly partisan and dysfunctional governance, and I believe President Trump is primarily responsible for creating this toxic environment. Yep. As president, how will you avoid the temptation to exact revenge mm -hmm. and instead take the high road and attempt to restore bipartisanship, civility, 
and honor to our democracy. Because I'm not, I'm not a vengeful person. And these are men. Men have big egos, egos huge egos. And they're always trying to uh, inflict their frustration on uh, us women. And so these guys are old farts. And they're very self-entitled. But the, they don't deserve, neither of them deserves to become president. So what everybody needs to do is, is write in me and Bernie. It was written by a fellow who won the Pulitzer Prize for a book he wrote um, about the presidency. He said, you know, I doubt whether Biden is really Irish. He doesn't hold a grudge. Um, in politics, grudges don't work. They're not, they make no sense. I really mean it. I have never, and the, the second point I'd make is, everybody talks about, yeah, Joe, when you were a senator and a chairman of foreign relations or chairman of the judiciary, you got a lot of things done. You're able to cross the aisle, but the days are changed. When you're vice president, you got a lot done, but it can't happen anymore. It can't. We got to change the nature of the way we deal with one another. And it starts off by the way your father was and Tip was and others. You don't question another man or woman's motive. You can question their judgment, but not their motive. We, we badly need an infrastructure bill. Well, what, what happens? I stand up and I say, you know, we need an infrastructure bill, Senator. But I tell you what, you're in the pocket the of the cement industry. About? But let's see what we can do. You can't get anywhere. Nothing happens. Nothing happens. I learned that lesson a long time ago. I've never, even when it's obvious on its face what the motive is, stick to the subject. And listen to the other guy. Listen, what I will be doing as Stick if I'm elected the president, the first thing, and not a joke, and you can ask if they tell you your dad's old friends on the Republican side. I'm going to pick up the phone and call them and say, let's get together. We've got to figure out how we're going to move forward here. Because there's so many things we really do agree on. And with Trump out of the way, the vindictiveness of a president going after bill. Well, what, what happens? I stand up and I say, you know, we need an infrastructure bill, Senator, but I tell you what, you're in the pocket of the cement industry. But let's see what we can do. You can't get anywhere. Nothing happens. Nothing happens. I learned that lesson a long time ago. I've never, even when it's obvious on its face what the motive is, stick to the subject and listen to the other guy. What does that mean, stick to the subject? Um, oh. Because it to me, that sounds to me like he is uh, signaling to his handlers that he, he is having a problem sticking to the subject. And I can see in his eyes, right now there's a, uh, he's looking, you know, we see the, he's looking to our left. So it's kind of a profile we see of him. And he's starting to have He's starting to break down a little bit, like uh, kind of like like a robot that a robot toy that the battery is starting to uh, get old. So it's kind of like you know R two D T kind of like uh, zapping out, like short circuiting or something, you know. And uh, he he's starting to stutter more, and he um, his eyes. You can see they're they're like trying. He's trying. He's spacing out in his dementia thing, and he tried to cover that up by by uh, rubbing his eye. 
Listen, what I will be doing as if I'm elected president, the first thing, and not a joke, if, and you can ask if... No, it's when I'm elected president with President Bernie Sanders. They tell you your dad's old friends on the Republican side. I'm going to pick up the phone and call them and say, let's get together. We've got to figure out how we're going to move forward here. Because there's so many things we really do agree on. And with Trump out of the way... The vindictiveness of a president going after Republicans who don't do exactly what he says gets 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 taken away. There's gonna Yeah, actually he should be taken away. And that is criminal behavior. It's criminal behavior, intimidant and intimidation threats. And just because Twitter won't suspend his account doesn't mean that it should be suspended. In fact, somebody created a parallel Trump uh, parallel account on Twitter that repeated every word for word everything that he tweeted and it was quickly shut down that's what we we need to like i've called out for twitter to suspend trump's account um and what has this guy done uh, to to he's he was in the congress he if he's working so well with the congress why doesn't he show some leadership and call for him to be censured for for uh, tweeting out to liberate Michigan because they're taking away your Second Amendment rights. That is the, that's a form of inciting violence and inciting uh, fomenting rebellion, which is a form of treason. And none, nobody else, none of these other tools, these old farts, fogies, are saying anything about that. And but uh, me and Bernie were. Uh, it's going to be the most civil administration since Camelot's be I promise you between four and eight Republican senators are willing to going to be willing to move on things where there's bipartisan consensus last example I'll give you you know after uh, we uh, uh, the uh, after Trump had been elected named the next president wasn't sworn in yet I've been working on a thing called the cure, uh, a bill relating to cancer cures Okay, and it was called the cancer moonshot. And I worked with a number of Democrats and Republicans, and we had a bill that was about nine billion. We all know that there's a cure for cancer out there, but big pharma is suppressing it. So when you vote for me and Bernie, we're going to make that public and give it to everybody. You know, screw screw big pharma, screw them, and and the insurance agencies uh, companies because we're going to have. Medicare for all. Go fuck yourself, Biden. Million dollars that made significant increases in research and development on cancer alternatives, NIH, and particularly cancer specific cancer initiatives. And we only had at the time, I think it was a, a 111 or 114, whatever it was, votes in the, in, in, in the House. I don't hold any exact number. And we had fewer than 40 in the Senate. But after he was elected, I got those people together as vice president, and we sat down and we worked it out. And we ended up getting to pass 396 votes in the House and, and uh, 94 votes in the Senate. And at the end of the day, because it had to do with the Biden cancer moonshot I've been working on, Mitch McConnell. Mitch McConnell stood up, and I was presiding officer, and moved to name the bill after my deceased son, Bo, who had just died. So there is, there is, there are ways to bring this together. But how about the question of political account? He's always bringing up his son, and um, and how many people he's lost in his life. It's just, it's a way to 
pull the sympathy card and make us feel sorry for him for having lost a lot of people. We've all lost people, but he seems to be like dwelling on it, which I, I don't trust. Ability is there's some tension between that and bringing people together. You know, Robert Mueller laid out a lot of evidence of possible obstruction of justice by President Trump. What would a Biden Justice Department do with that evidence? What the Biden Justice Department will do is let the Department of Justice be the Department of Justice. Let them make the judgments of who should be prosecuted. They are not my lawyers. They're not my personal lawyers. So you're not going to rule it in or rule it out? I'm not going to rule in or out. I'm going to hire really first-rate prosecutors and people who understand the law, like Democrat and Republican administrations have had, and let them make the judgment. But turning this into a vehicle for you as if it's your own I'm gonna bring in the ACLU lawyers and let them run the Department of Justice that's who I'd hire law firm you don't own that Justice Department you pick the best people you can and you hope that what they're gonna do is they're going to enforce the law as they see it but can you remember any Republican president going out there or former Democratic president go find that guy and prosecute him Remember hear that? Or by the way, I'm being sued because a woman's accused me of rape. Represent me. Represent me. Personally represent me in the in the state of New York on my not allowing my tax returns. What's that all about? What is that about? Gotta take another break. We'll be right back. The executive I promise you not only not pardon this entire administration let it be known as a matter of record that I pledge to lock them all up if I can uh, you know I definitely uh, think that they deserve to be locked up and uh, at least removed from office the bare minimum all of them all of them removed from office and charged with varying degrees of uh, fraud and treason and uh, theft of public funds. Six million dollars went to Chad Wolf's wife, wife's practice. Executive power shall be vested in a president of the United States of America. He shall back. hold his office. We're going to get that money back. We're going to put it towards something good. Maybe like law school for black people or something. Um, or or make make law school free for everybody. Uh, or uh, anyway during the term of four years and together with the vice president chosen for the same term. COVID-19 was a wake-up call. There are so many more pandemics that could be just around the corner. Viruses literally travel. What did this guy do while he was vice president? Anyway, I know the vice president is typically, you know, traditionally seen as weak, uh, position of power, although it's huge, it's a hugely important position, presides over the Senate, the uh, vice 
vice president? Can cast a vote if there's a tie. But what about in terms of policy? There's a there's tons of stuff you can do as a vice president in terms of policy. That's what I would do for Bernie as Bernie's VP. That's why 100 million of you who didn't vote in 2016 like I didn't because we didn't have a choice then and we still don't have a choice thanks to the corruption or due to the corruption of the DNC. So I have called for their prosecution. Tom Perez and uh, Hillary Clinton and people judge for uh, election frauds, bribery, and uh, rigging the uh, primaries, the Democratic primaries. Again, you know, if uh, Mr. Assface Nazi Dump was right th about one thing, it was that the DNC rigged the races just like they did in 2016. Dang, these this, uh, commercials look pretty long. Joe Biden, we're going to something or other. Ass face, Nazi done. What's your favorite word for uh, word to call, uh, call him? Pennsylvania, a businesswoman, a social worker. You're a Republican who's voted for Democrats, but you're not sure what you're going to do this time around. Correct? Correct. Greetings, former Vice President Biden. Hello. Thank you, Mrs. Thomas. Um, in a 2012 report of the University of Pittsburgh's Institute of Politics, fracking was discussed and its possible implications for the waterways from the Commonwealth to the Gulf. You should see his face. It's like, oh, shit, fracking. The fracking question. And uh, my question for Joe Biden and Mr. Assface Nazi Dump, my opponents, is how much money have you accepted from the fracking industry? Because... You obviously got your both beholden to them because you defend fracking. Go get fracked. Fracking has made the population sick and, and killed wildlife in southwest Pennsylvania. The Commonwealth of Pennsylvania and small business development centers have already begun to transition people away from fossil fuels. What industries that are not harmful to human health and the environment are you planning for Southwest Pennsylvania and the nation? Well, first of all, I uh, make it clear, I do not propose banning fracking. I think you have to make sure that fracking is in fact not emitting methane or polluting the well or dealing with what can be uh, small earthquakes. And what you just uh, double down on the fracking bullshit. We definitely, Bernie and I will definitely be outlawing fracking. And we're going to go towards renewable resources and also open up uh, Tesla inquiry energy that Tesla wanted us to have free. But the corporate masters have hijacked our entire grid system. So uh, we're going to go.
go back to the future on that one. How they're drilling. So it has to be managed very, very well, number one. Number two, what we have to do is the future rests in renewable energy. The single fastest growing energy source in the world right now, because I'm going to say something that's going to sound self-serving, but I managed the Recovery Act, and I was able to invest billions of dollars into bringing down the cost of the cost per BTU of, of wind and solar. So now it's cheaper than coal, it's cheaper than oil right now. And it has great, great... Bernie and I will be doing subsidies for everyone to get solar panels um, and look into other ways to um, for electric car. Let's have a Let's have a competition, a national competition. Who can devise the best uh, electric car? And, um, you know, like a million dollar prize. And then we use that as our national car. What about that? Promise. And it's also the fastest growing employer in the energy industry. And so there are a number of things that I would do immediately. Number one, there are over well over 100,000 wells that are left uncapped in the region. Mm -hmm. We could hire 128,000 of these people who are working in the industry to cap these wells and get a good salary doing it now, number one. Number two, we should be moving toward finding the new technologies that are going to be able to deal with carbon capture. So ultimately, as a transition, we move from, from to a net zero emission of carbon that we're still going to be able to use if we find the right technology, some gases, some gas to be able to, if we can carbon capture. And I think we're going to be able to move in a direction where by the year 2035, we'll be able to have net zero emissions of carbon from the creation of energy, energy creation, that so we can move it by dealing with those. And every time we talk about global warming or the environment, uh, the president thinks of, uh, of uh, you know, uh, it's a joke, and I think it's jobs. Because what we're going to have happen is you'll be able to see now, as I started to say before, I as president are going to invest that $600 billion we spend in government contracts only on those things that, in fact, also are not only made in America, but building an infrastructure that's clean and new. And what we have to do is focus on the transmission of energy across the country from areas relating to solar and wind. The reason is that they have not, that has not been mastered yet. I met a lot of people in Silicon Valley. The battery technology is increasing significantly, so you're going to be able to have, for example, solar on your home and a battery the side, this by this by this, as I'm showing you here, in your basement. So when, it, when, when the sun doesn't shine for five days, you still have enough energy. So we're making significant progress. The other thing we're going to do is provide an awful lot of work is estimated to put close to a million people to work by weatherizing four million buildings and two million homes because we'll save tons and tons of energy or like billions of barrels of energy over time and at the same time provide significant employment and a good union wages prevailing wages let me stick on fracking for a second sure. uh, you said you don't you don't want to ban fracking as you know it's an important issue here in pennsylvania not everyone buys your denial a member of the boilermakers local 154 sean stephanie was quoted in the new york times today saying you can't have it both ways he says you can't meet your goal to end fossil fuels without ending 
fracking. What do you say to people like Sean who doubt your denial because they... This is exactly why we need to go and ban political contributions to anybody's campaign for office because he is pro-fracking. And he obviously received money from the fossil fuel industry and the fracking industry, which is a disservice to the people of the United States. When he did it, because they probably, how many million did they give him? Don't you want to bet, like 23 million or something crazy like that? You think you're, you want to keep that promise? Tell them the Boilermakers overwhelmingly endorsed me, okay? So the Boilermakers unions endorsed me because I sat down with them and in great detail with the leadership exactly what I would do, number one. Number two, what I would do the is I would stop making, I would stop giving tax breaks and subsidizing oil. I have the Progressive Party's endorsement. We don't need to subsidize oil any longer, number one. We should stop that and save billions of dollars over time. What I would also do with regard to, there's no, the difference between me and the new Green Deal, they say automatically by 2030, we're going to be carbon free. Not possible. So are you for it or against it? You say you're not for it, but in your website it says you call it a crucial framework. The Green my, Deal. My, my deal is a crucial framework, but not the new Green Deal. The new Green Deal calls for elimination of... Can you get more wishy-washy, dude? ...of all, all non-renewable energy by 2030. You can't get there. You're going to need to be able to transition, George, to be able to transition to get to the place where we invest in new technologies that allow us to do things that get us to a place where we get to net zero emission, including in agriculture. I've laid out a detailed plan. We should be taking the plan where we allow significant more land to be put in conservation, playing deep-rooted plants which absorb carbon from the air and in fact pay farmers to do it we can do things like pelletize all the chicken manure and all the horse manure and cow manure and they can be and take out the uh, the, the methane and use it as fertilizer and make a lot of money doing it for example right now down in in and uh, people when i say that they wonder what i'm talking about the biggest carbon sink in the world is the amazon more carbon absorbed from the air diminishing global warming in the end. That was before Bolsonaro burned it down. And what did you say about it? Did you say anything about the Amazon burning? I sure did. Amazon, then all the carbon emitted on a yearly basis from the United States of America, from all vehicles and all means. So we have to use our imaginations. We have to move in the direction as well, providing for electric vehicles. Electric vehicles will save billions of gallons of oil, create estimated, not me, Wall Street, one million automobile jobs. But, but, but we're lagging, we're not investing. We're not doing any of the research. Gotta take another quick break, we'll be right back. fact that these politicians are, you know, we have dark money, too much dark money, we need to overturn Citizens United and stop treating corporations like people and allowing millions, basically unlimited money coming in from corporations. to skew our politics and to go against the public interest. That's why we need to have clean campaigns. We need to ban 
contributions of any uh, of any type towards towards uh, except for um, endorsements like uh, like I do it like blessings or uh, cute comments comments or uh, endorsements and uh, it should be publicly funded all these debates and um, and there should be a like a a commission, a commission that looks at uh, veracity of the attacks against each candidate, all the candidates. Welcome back to our town hall with former vice president Joseph Giuseppe Biden, Giuseppe. who voted for Trump in 2016. Welcome to Pennsylvania, Mr. Vice President. Good to be back home. I'm from Pennsylvania. Yes, I know. Scranton, right? Yep. So, peace is breaking out all over the world. Our troops are coming home. I'm from Bridgeport, California. Serbia is talking to Kosovo. (laughs) And the Arabs and Israelis are talking peace, which I believe is a modern-day miracle what's going on. Does President Trump's foreign policy deserve some credit? A little, but not a whole lot. We find ourselves in a position where we're... No, he doesn't deserve any credit at all. He's been cozying up to dictators for far too long. From Kim Jong-un, who brutally suppresses and starves to death his own population, to Xi of China, to Vladimir Putin, even siding with Putin against our own intelligence agencies, which is in my humble opinion, a form of treason. More isolated in the world than we've ever been. Our allies are uh, our goat alone. Our, you know, America first has made America alone. You have Iran closer to having enough nuclear material to build a, a, a bomb. North Korea has more bombs than this. Oh yeah, and about Israel, uh, Netanyahu is yet another dictator that he cozies up to and who has been basically exterminating the Palestinian people uh, under our nose. And Trump has done nothing. He even uh, moves the, allowed, you know, put a, gave us our permission for Israel to move their capital to the, to Jerusalem and to continue the brutal suppression of the West Bank and Palestinians. So basically they've turned it into an open air death camp. So no, Mr. Aspace Nazi Dump deserves no credit whatsoever. In fact, he deserves to go to jail available to it. We find ourselves where our NATO allies are publicly saying they can't count on us. We're in a situation as well where in the Far East we find ourselves in, in, the, in, in, the, in the Western Pacific where we're isolated as well. You have Japan and, uh, and, and uh, South Korea at odds with one another. China is making moves. So I, uh, you know, I would say we find ourselves less secure than we've been. I do compliment the president on the deal with uh, 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 with Israel recently. What an idiot. 
Um, but uh, and it's a huge concession. That was all a setup. It's all set up. There's it's a quid pro quo that he did with Israel to do to ha to have that seemingly a uh, uh, move forward on peace agreement between already established all allies according to these these dictators they're fascists there's uh, fascists and communists communist Xi and fascists uh, Bolsonaro in Brazil we have a fascist asshole president and uh, Netanyahu is uh, and both actually both parties in Israel are super right-wing kind of like kind of like what we have in America today both parties are super right-wing they're not you know, Biden is no, uh, nowhere, not even moderate. He's, he's pro-fracking, for fuck's sake. You know, uh, if you take a look, we're not very well trusted around the world. When 17 major nations of the world were asked who they trust more, who's the better leader, and the president came in behind both the national survey, internet. He's last. He's the worst president in in U.S. history, according to APSA, the American Political Science Association. He was voted the worst president ever. National survey, both behind Putin as well as um, uh, Xi, and look what Putin's doing. You know, you have Americans bounties on American military's heads in Afghanistan. They have more people there now, by the way, than when I left when we left in Afghanistan. And we find ourselves in a situation where uh, he's talked to Putin six times, hadn't said a word to him. And NATO is on the risk of beginning to crack because they don't doubt they doubt our concern whether we're there. You see what's happening in everything from Belarus to Poland to uh, to uh, Hungary and the rise of totalitarian regimes in the world and as well as this president embraces all the thugs in the world. I mean, he's best friends with the leader of North Korea, sending love letters. He he doesn't take on Putin in any way, and uh, he uh, he is just uh, he's he's learned the art of the steel from the art of the deal by Xi in China. So I, I would respectfully suggest no, there is no plan, no coherent plan for foreign policy. You know, we've always ruled. Uh, we've been most effective as a world leader, in my humble opinion, not just by the exercise of our power, the most powerful nation in the world, but the power of our example. That's what's led the rest of the world to follow us on almost everything. He's pulled out of almost every international organization. He gets laughed at when he goes to the, uh, li literally, not figuratively, when he goes to the United Nations. I mean, it's just not, it's not about the president per se, it's about the nation and the lack of respect that's shown to us. I want to get one more question in this segment, and it comes from Mika Hack. She's from uh, State College, Pennsylvania. This is your first presidential election that you're voting. Yes. Hi, Mika, how are you? Um, I'm good, thank you. Um, I'm the proud mom of two girls, eight and 10. My youngest daughter is transgender. The Trump administration has attacked the rights of transgender people, banning them from military service, um, weakening non-discrimination protections, and even removing the word transgender from some government websites. How will you, as president, reverse this dangerous and discriminatory agenda 
and ensure that the lives and rights of LGBTQ people are protected under. Well, we're, first day, we're going to undo everything that Mr. Ass Dump Nazi Face has done. And uh, we're going to observe the law and we're going to codify it. Uh, the protections against uh, discrimination, harassment, and, uh, you know, um, we're going to pass CEDAW, the Convention on the Elimination of Discrimination Against Women, which ha we're going to, I'm going to uh, stridently insist that our Democratic Congress finally does the right thing and, and, and uh, ratifies that. And um, which which should help all people, uh, women and and transgender, etc., LGBTQ entirely, and uh, I'm going to we're going to recall all the judges. We're going to recall Amy Barrett if she gets if she gets uh, nominated to the Supreme Court. We're going to we're going to recall her and Kavanaugh and. Uh, not sure about Cab uh, Justice Roberts yet, but but uh, I don't I don't know if he's done he's done nothing but uh, he's done nothing. Periods, you know, when he should have jumped in actually uh, and made it so that there would be some evidence discussed in the Senate, but the uh, Republican-dominated Senate. Uh, refused to let that happen, and Judge Roberts did nothing. The judge, uh, Judge Potted Plant, I did a cartoon of that. Under U.S. law, I will flat out just change the law. Every eliminate those executive orders. Number one, you may recall I'm the guy who said uh, I was raised by a man who uh, I remember I was being dropped off. My 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 dad was a high school educated, well read man who. Uh, was a really decent guy, and I was being dropped off to get an application in the center of our city, Wilmington, Delaware, the corporate capital of the world at the time. And these two men, I'm getting out to get a, an application to be a lifeguard in the African-American community because there was a big swimming pool complex. And, uh, and these two men, well-dressed, leaned up and hugged one another and kissed one another. And I'm getting out of the car at the light, and I turned to my dad. My dad looked at me and said, Joey, it's simple. They love each other. The idea that an eight-year-old child or a 10-year-old child decides, you know, I decided I want to be transgender. That's what I think I'd like to be. It may make my life a lot easier. There should be zero discrimination. And what's happening is too many transgender women of color are being murdered. They're being murdered. I mean, I think it's up to now 17. Don't hold me to that number, but it's it's it's, it's, it's higher now. Yeah. And that's just as here. And so I promise you, there is no reason to suggest that there should be any right denied your daughter or daughters, whichever one or two, one, one your daughter, that your other daughter has a right to be and do. None, zero. And by the way, my son Bo passed away, was the Attorney General of the State of Delaware. He was the guy who got the first transgender law passed in the State of Delaware, and uh, because of a young man who became a woman uh, who uh, worked for him in the Attorney General's office. We've got one more segment coming up. Thank you. And I'm we'll proud be right of back. you.
ABC News. ABC News. Yeah, there's been a huge spike in hate crimes and deaths and lynchings, too. I'd like to see some statistics, actually, on where all these lynchings just popped out of nowhere. I mean, I, I didn't hear anything about lynchings until the BLM protests. And I'm the only candidate who has been consistently calling out for this uh, traitor-in-chief to be removed for racism and uh, and have often stated that he should have been re forcibly removed if necessary at the Muslim travel ban, just unconstitutional. Mr. As Mr. Mr. Joe Biden, Lion Joe Biden, you know, I'm surprised he uh, didn't mention anything about his his. Uh, his being arrested when he was going to go see uh, Nelson Mandela and he lied about that several times he was never arrested on his way on the way he got lost in the airports pretty ridiculous something that uh, senile old man would say good, uh, good evening um, you say that you committed to entering this race after the events of Charlottesville in 2017. I assume that that feeling that prompted you to run will not go away once the results are determined. So hypothetically, if you lose, how will you use your platform to urge President Donald Trump and those rallying behind him towards the ideals of a more perfect union? Well, to be very honest with you, um, I think that's very hard. He is not, things have not led themselves to him uh, learning from what's happened, what's gone before. Uh, instead of uh, being chastened by uh, being one of the few presidents, the only president to be impeached and then have a member of his own party vote to expel him, it emboldened him. So, but what I will do, uh, I will hopefully I'll go back to being a professor uh, at the University of Pennsylvania and making the case that I've been made and at the Biden Institute at the University of Delaware, focusing on, on uh, these same issues relating to what constitutes uh, um, decency and honor in this country. Uh, it's, it's the thing that got me involved in public life to begin with as a kid. I moved from Scranton, where there were no African Americans, and moved down to Claymont, Delaware. And, and in Delaware, we have the eighth largest black population as a percent of population. It was an epiphany for me, seeing what was going on. And I got deeply involved. I'm no great shakes. I don't mean I'm, 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 I wasn't John Lewis. I don't mean. I went to go make some popcorn, but it seemed to me, listening from the kitchen, that he kind of had a little meltdown right there. I forgot what he was talking about. Um, the reason we're probably seeing him from the left side is that I bet he has a, um, actually I'm sure he has a uh, bug or whatever in his right ear. <coughs> he said before, uh, apparently, that uh, it's a hearing aid, but I'm sure it's his handlers, actually, and they're helping him stay on target whenever he kind of short circuits from the dementia <coughs> senility, the onset of senility, which happens in old men and women, 
really old people, uh, they're prompting him. They're feeding him with what to say while he is having these little short circuit events. I didn't imply that, but it's the thing that's motivated. My dad used to have an expression, for real. He said, everyone's entitled to be treated with for dignity. Real. Everybody. And it was real. Everybody is. And so whether I'm a defeated candidate for president, back teaching, or I'm elected president, it is a major element of everything that I'm about because it reflects who we are as a nation. And it's what makes us, this is every single solitary generation, the dial has moved closer and closer and more and more to inclusion. And we are a country that is a country of slaves who came here 400 years ago, indigenous people, and everyone else is an immigrant. And we're a diverse country. Unless we are able to treat people equally, we're, ne we're just ne never going to meet our potential. But I think the American people want to see that happen. I think they're ready to see it happen. And I tell you one thing, if I'm elected president, you will not hear me race baiting, you will not hear me dividing, you will hear me trying to unify. And unify with, bring people together. When I said I was running because I wanted to unify the country, people said, well, there were the old days. We better be able to do it again. Agreed. You better be able to do it again. Mr. Vice President, if you lose, what will that say to you about where America is today? Well, it could say that I'm a lousy candidate and I didn't yeah, do a good job. Um, but I think, uh, I, I hope that it doesn't say that we are as racially, ethnically, and religiously at odds with one another as it appears the president wants us to be. Usually, you know, the president's, in my view, with all due respect, has been divide and conquer, the way he does better if he splits us, there's division. Um, and I think people need hope. I think, look, George, I've never been more optimistic about the prospects for this country than I am today, and I, I really mean that. I think the people are ready, they understand what's at stake, and it's not about Democrat or Republican. If I get elected, uh, you know, I'm going to be, I'm running as a proud Democrat, but I'm going to be an American president. I'm going to take care of those who voted against me as well as those who voted for me, for real. That's what presidents do. we got to heal this nation because we have the greatest opportunity of any country in the world to own the 21st century, and we can't do it divided. One more break. We'll be right back. Welcome to Disney+. Plus. Are you ready? A lot of babbling and um, platitudes, you know. Poor America. That's these are the choices we have. These two old farts who have done nothing but chaos and destruction in this in this country. We deserve better. We deserve better than both of these pieces of shit. He just said himself he's a lousy candidate. He asked that that dude asked him Biden what he was gonna do if he lost. And uh, you know, what was he gonna do to um press this unprecedent Puppies. And Biden 
said basically that they did he this. Go back to his job at the university, his university job, by the way, which he hasn't shown us. He's refused to let us see his records. What does he have to hide about his records anyway? He should have to uh, reveal everything. Uh, any president should have to reveal anything. Should be a very transparent position. <laughs> you shouldn't be able to um, withhold your taxes or your, you know, that's part of being a, becoming a, a. Pass that test. I didn't want to come here and not, you know, expose anybody. And uh, I just think it's, uh, it's, it's just decency to be able to determine whether or not you are. Uh, you're clear and it's not i'm less concerned about me but then the people the guys at the cameras the people working in the you know the, the secret service guys you drive up with all those people and so yes i uh, I, I believe he'll do that I, look i'm going to abide by what the commission rules call for i was prepared to debate him remotely which was supposed to happen and he said he wouldn't do that um you know a virtual debate uh, our town hall. He didn't want to do that. That I didn't set those rules. The commission set the rules. So whatever rules they set, I uh, and I'm, I'm confident that uh, the Cleveland Clinic is the one overseeing it. I think they're going to not let happen what happened last time. They're going to demand that it's safe. But you expect to be there. Oh, I expect to be there. Mr. Vice President, thank you for your time tonight. Thank all the questioners here. It was really terrific questions. I think you did a service to our democracy tonight. Thank you very much. I want to go back to my colleague, David Muir in New York. All right, George, thank you. So there you have So did you, Mr. Stephanopoulos. Fine as always. Anyway, if you enjoyed this podcast, hanging out with the Trista for Sharif, eating popcorn, and... Uh, making snarky comments then um please do um subscribe um to me on social media i especially need youtube followers so please follow me on youtube it's probably she uh christopher Ryden sheriff az govan prez that's my handle for tiktok and instagram and twitter and youtube and please do go to my website, Trista4 Change, Trista4, the number change.com, and leave me a cute comment or a, a remark or a suggestion, something you'd like to see in our so called democracy. And so, yeah, give them hell, give Congress hell, never let up, give them hell, a call 202. 224-3121 and give them a piece of your minds tear them a new arsehole tell them to impeach again and this time lock them all up or, um, you know give them just raz, raz them man raz, raz away had agreed uh, to do that instead then doing the town hall here with ABC and the president in a late move this week agreeing to the town hall and another network sort of split screen in America tonight. We did hear the president and the vice president get pressed on several topics tonight. The vice president in Philadelphia now talking to those voters socially distanced in the audience, Republicans, Democrats and some undecideds. They asked him about the pandemic, whether he'd take a vaccine if ready before year's end. He said yes, if the scientists are behind it. He was asked if he would raise taxes on the wealthy and on corporate America, even in a recovery, he said yes. There was a deeply personal exchange. 
I would uh, raise them on only the uh, the top performing corporations during this pandemic, like Amazon, which never paid hasn't paid a penny of taxes, which uh, robs the community of, of resources, tax resources, important resources. To young voter asking Biden why young black Americans should vote for him. He made his case. He was asked about packing the Supreme Court. And I want to bring in Mary Bruce, who is outside the Constitution Center there in Philadelphia tonight, because Mary, you and I have been watching all week the conference. My response is the uh, only one packing the courts right now are Republicans with with rabid neocon Republican uh, activists, judges that uh, will roll back our civil and human rights decades, half a century. Information hearing of Judge Amy Coney Barrett, President Trump's pick to replace Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Uh, Biden said tonight that it depends on how this is handled, saying Americans are already voting. Uh, he was pressed on what that meant, how this was handled. Uh, he was pressed, will he have a position on packing the court before Election Day? David, Joe Biden tonight notably went further on. And none of the other old fart candidates have called for senators to walk out and to so that it won't have the quorum to pass this or you know appoint this third radical judge unfit and unqualified on this issue than he has before. He has been pressed on this repeatedly, and while he still isn't giving a clear answer on whether he would expand the court, saying he's, quote, not a fan of court packing, tonight he notably didn't rule it out, saying that he will have a clear answer on this by election day after the confirmation hearings for Amy Coney Barrett, saying that Americans have and voters have a right to know. But, David, of course, voting is already well underway. 19 days to go, nearly 18 million more fence-sitting from Joe Biden. Million Americans have cast their ballot. So the question tonight is, what is Joe Biden waiting for on this? And Mary, stick with us on this. He did say he'd have a position before Election Day, and we're looking at live pictures right now, interacting with voters in that debate hall. He was the one who first agreed to doing a town hall after the debate was canceled. This campaign... Uh I would say, forget packing the court. We're going to impeach again, like Nancy Pelosi promised. Uh, certainly knows that they think these are good opportunities for the vice president to make his case by interacting with American voters. Yeah, David, here tonight we saw something that we really haven't seen very often in this campaign that has been upended by the pandemic. Joe Biden having an opportunity to interact directly with voters, answering their, answering their questions about what matters most to them as they make this choice. His campaign feels that he shines in these moments, that he does best when he is able to speak directly with voters. I know that Joe Biden misses having more of these opportunities. And Actually, what they should be doing this from here on out, he should, he should refuse to debate with Trump since Trump can't follow the rules for debates either. I was struck tonight, when you take a step back, how much Joe Biden tonight really talked about his plans. There was a lot of deep diving that he was doing into his policy proposals going forward. This was a night largely about Joe Biden and actually surprisingly not a lot about his opponent. He didn't really speak that much about Donald Trump. This was a night for him, Joe Biden, to connect with voters and talk about how he would be changing their futures. Yeah, as you rightly point out, Mary, a lot more about policy and plans moving forward than we heard from really either candidate in that first debate uh, after 
after the shouting match sort of uh, erupted and really never ended as that debate played out in front of America. As the vice president continues to talk with voters there, uh, we also know President Trump in Florida tonight pressed in his own town hall on whether he was tested for COVID uh, the day that first presidential debate. He's pressed a number of times on this. If he took a test on the day of that debate, he said, I probably did, but said he doesn't take a test every day. I probably did. And that's just a way to lie. He didn't take a test because he's still positive. He was also asked if he was ever warned that this would be the greatest national security threat of his administration, coronavirus, which has been reported that he was warned. He said he wasn't warned, but that he knew it was a big threat. Another freaking lie. He's warning you in February that it was a plague. He's told Woodward, Woodward that told Woodward it was a plague, but he told us it was a democratic hoax. At the same time, the president said, I didn't want to panic this country. I didn't want to go out there and say everyone's going to die. That's a bullshit excuse to cover up for the fact that he purposely didn't tell us and didn't allow us to protect ourselves. Uh, pressed on whether or not there's a middle ground, whether or not he could have leveled with the American people. He said, no, there's uh, no middle ground. Uh, I want to bring in Rachel Scott. She's live with us from Florida tonight where that town hall is playing out because as we're looking at pictures from Philadelphia, we know the president tonight was pressed on that New York Times reporting on his taxes. Rachel, he was asked if he ever really did pay uh, just $750 in federal income taxes. He was also asked about that reported debt of about $400 million, asked who does he owe that money to. <laughs> Chinese Communist Bank and Russian oligarchs. David, he was, and he was asked whether or not he owes that money to foreign entities, and he said, uh, quote, not that I know of. The president uh, downplayed the amount of debt that he is in. Not that I know of. That's another way to fucking lie. And he uh, seemingly said that it's just a tiny fraction of what he is worth. Uh, David, I was struck tonight about how much the president was on defense. The president walked in tonight's, into tonight's down hall, uh, you know, behind, double digits in the polls at a time when he is under fire for his handling of of the pandemic and the president tonight spent much of his time on defense defending his handling of not only the pandemic issues like health care as well as the economy what we did not hear a lot of tonight just 19 days out from election day we didn't hear a lot of interruptions and bullshit was the president talking about his rival Joe Biden? And the president tonight was forced to confront key questions about his health. Whether or not he tested negative on that debate day is a lingering question. One, the president even said tonight that he could not even remember, could not even recall whether or not he was tested for coronavirus. On the a fucking pathological liar and a psychopath. A self-described psychopath. The day of the debate, the president also tonight, David, downplaying uh, the coronavirus, insisting that we are rounding the corner at a time when the CDC predicts that we may record 240,000 deaths just one week after Election Day. David? Rachel Scott with us from Florida tonight. And Rachel, as she points out, the president being asked, was he tested on that debate night? Uh, in stark contrast to the image you're seeing in Philadelphia right now, uh, former Vice President Joe Biden with his mask back on, telling uh, George just a short time ago that he was tested uh, again today, daily testing now, uh, saying he wouldn't want to put anyone in that room uh, at risk and that he would uh, follow the debate commission's rules but expect that everyone be tested before that final presidential debate still scheduled for next week. I want to bring in our chief White House correspondent, Jonathan Carl, watching this uh, split screen in America, as I mentioned, John. Very different answers in both town halls. I'm curious, John, if you saw anything tonight uh, that really moves the needle in any significant way with Americans already voting. There are so few Americans 
Americans that are undecided at this point, David. This is such a deeply divided country. But watching uh, these two town halls, and I tried to watch them, if you can imagine, both at the same time, uh, quite a quite a quite a task. And I, what, what, you know, this is such a strange campaign. We have heard very little from either of these two men about what they would actually do over the next four years. And Biden has famously dodged this question of expanding the Supreme Court. And George really pushed him on this. And we have what appears to be a commitment that after the Amy Coney Barrett vote, uh, he will tell. We're not going to pack the court. We're going to recall those judges. Well, the American people, he said, voters have a right to know where he stands on expanding the court. On the other side, Donald Trump was asked a very simple question by a voter. Uh, what is your plan uh, to deal with health care and rising health care costs? And it was abundantly clear that he has absolutely no plan. This is something he has had four years, uh, nearly four years in office uh, to come up with. He basically said that what he has done is he's done away with the individual mandate with Obamacare and then talked a little bit more about how Obamacare uh, is, is, is not a good thing and we need something better, but absolutely nothing about what he would actually do on health care. And John, as you've been reporting, he's been saying... And I pointed this out, that he sharded on progressives by refusing to have Medicare for All when Medicare for All is in all of our best interests to have, as well as the majority of Americans are in favor of that. So why not give us what we want? A majority of us want Medicare for all. Give it to us. For a very long time now, I'll have that plan in a couple of weeks and, and, and still no plan. Still no plan. John Carl watching both debates. We thank you. We know you were watching the ABC one in front of you while you were trying to watch the one on the other network. At the same time, and we're sure to appreciate that. Our analysts are standing by, of course, from both ends of the political spectrum. Our powerhouse political team. Our coverage of the ABC News Town Hall continues right here in a moment. Welcome to Disney Plus. So I'm going to go to the um, Republic, the uh, Republican town hall. Let's see what Assface Nazi Dump has to say tonight.